Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network, home of the Firebird Book Awards and the Positive Change Podcast Awards. We also feature one-on-one interviews with important guests, people who have something to say that you need to hear. And if you have something to say and would like to be featured on the network, please visit speakuptalkradio.com for all of the details or contact us at PR at speakuptalkradio.com. I am Pat Rulo. And right now, I'm so happy to share a returning author with you. He is Mark Shaken. Mark lives with his wife, Lauren, and their dog, Emily, in Denver, Colorado. He schooled at Haverford College and Washburn University and practiced commercial bankruptcy law for four decades before moving on in 2019 to write, photograph, volunteer, travel, and play music. He is the author of And Just Like That, Essays on a Life Before, During, and After the Law, and three books in his 3J legal thriller series set in Kansas City and starring bankruptcy lawyer Josephine Gillian Jones. They're titled Fresh Start, Automatic Stay, and Unfair Discrimination. And we are about to find out more about his newest book. So welcome back to the network, Mark. I'm happy to be here. Yes, I am happy you're here too. And I also want to mention that you did win... Firebird Book Awards for two of those books, uh, Automatic Stay and Unfair Discrimination. So I don't know if I had a chance publicly to say congratulations. If not, congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Awards. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Well, today we are going to dig into your book titled Cram Down, as I mentioned, with everyone's favorite Kansas City attorney, Josephina Jillian Jones, also known as 3J. So maybe just give us a little peek inside of that book. Sure. In 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 Cramdown, um, 3J and her team are back, uh, and uh, in this book, her client uh, is a company uh, in Kansas City, a fictional company named Abode LLC, and Abode and its owners uh, build um, homes uh, for lower income, marginalized community members uh, throughout Kansas City. Something kind of like Habitat for Humanity uh, does, um, certainly here in, in Denver and other cities throughout the country. Um, and Abode has a fairly large loan from a local community bank um, uh, named Commonwealth. The bank is owned, has always been owned by um, a black uh, family uh, going back to the 18, late 1800s when the great-great-great-great-grandparents um, got the bank chartered, uh, the first black-owned bank in, in Missouri. Um, and the bank's always been Abode's partner in the loan because it also fulfills the bank's you know, mission of, of supporting um, the communities that it serves, including the, the, the African-American community in Kansas City. Um, the bank is now owned all these decades later by the two brothers who are the, the um, grand, grand, the great, 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 great grandkids of the original owners. Um, and one of the brothers is, uh, uh, the bad guy in the book, and one of the brothers is the good guy. And the ownership of the bank has shifted so that the bad guy, Jordan, is now controlling the bank, and he has a different vision for the bank. He no longer wants to support nonprofits and, um, and the community. Um, because he says the bank is a for-profit bank and therefore it needs to be uh, in the business of making more money. And he wants to switch to, um, um, you know, the, the, what he sees as the future, which is uh, Bitcoin. Um, 
and cryptocurrency. And so the book is about the feud between the brothers and how it's affecting the, the, the borrower abode and its owners. Um, and uh, the, the good brother, um, Amadi, mysteriously disappears, and so Srijay has to find him in order to save the company um, uh, in bankruptcy. And so the book is all about uh, the, the conflicts uh, between you know, the good the good characters and the bad characters, um, and the, the uh, effort to find uh, the brother before it's uh, too late. Oh my! You can clearly tell your background, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of me in each part of each of the books. <laughs> well, plus just the whole bankruptcy, the commercial bankruptcy aspect yeah. of it. Um, cram down. Obviously, that's a bankruptcy term. Can you explain that? Yeah. Um, each of the book's title is, comes from either a, a specific part of the bankruptcy code or a specific part of just sort of the, the bankruptcy law itself. Um, Cramdown has been around since the late 1800s, and it's the process where um, a, a borrower in bankruptcy proposes a plan, um, which the lender uh, opposes, and the bankruptcy code gives the, the, the borrower here abode the power to force the plan down on the, the creditor even over the creditor's objection. And that whole process of what's required to do that and um, can the, the, the borrower force the lender to accept a plan it doesn't want to is called cram down. It's kind of a, a crass term that I think developed in the, the Depression era um, you know, where you're cramming, the, literally cramming the, the provisions of the plan down the bank's throat. That is so fascinating. I, I wouldn't think that there would ever be much in the favor of the borrower, but uh, this clearly is. It's a it's it's probably the ultimate um, argument, I guess I'll call it um, this morning, um, between a, a borrower and a bank in a bankruptcy case. Mm -hmm. And um, it is it is the thing that hangs out there um, uh, that is part of the power that Congress has always given to the borrower to try to level the playing field. Interesting. Does that happen often? It, it gets threatened a lot. Uh -huh. um, it brings everyone to the negotiating table because it, it, it's, it, it, you know, the consequence of losing a fight like that for the bank is, is bad. Um, the consequence of losing that fight for the borrower is equally as bad um, because it could mean that they're doomed to failure mm -hmm. and have to go out of business. So the stakes are, are the highest uh, of anything that exists in the bankruptcy code. Um, and as a result, um, it does happen <clears throat> from time to time that you end up having a trial in court for the bankruptcy judge to decide whether it is or isn't going to be crammed down. But more often than not, it leads to the, the ultimate, you know, negotiation. Sure, sure. Um, just like everything else in, in, you know, in the world when the, the guild riders go on strike, the, the, the stakes are very high for both sides, and eventually they hope they come to the table and find something to agree upon that they can both live with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, so interesting. Now, this does not apply to, say, mortgages. It's more in the commercial arena, right? Um, it would apply um, if it was a, you know, a borrower who, who had enough debt that they were filing a business bankruptcy case. Right. It, it, there's really no prohibition on it applying to any particular kind of debt. So it could be mortgages, it could be okay. um, in inventory loans. It, it really covers the gamut. Fascinating. Very, very fascinating. Yeah, thank you for explaining that. Alrighty, now I know this book, Cramdown, is the first book where someone gets killed. Yeah, I haven't um, killed anybody off in, in any of the, the books I've written so far, and then Cramdown uh, started. And um, 
without giving away a whole lot in the book, the um, uh, people meet their demise um, in the book. There's a, uh, a fictional mobster in the book named Robbie McFadden, and he's in charge of the Irish mob in Kansas City. He's a Wharton uh, business school graduate, so he kind of runs the, the mob organization like a business, and he's proud of that. Um, and um, with his presence in the book, you know, he has hitmen that work for him, and um, people die in the book. Yep. Things happen, right? Stuff happens. <laughs> Why? There are, you know, there are good bad guys and bad bad guys in the book. <laughs> this is true. I get that. Why do you know so much about um, Kansas City background? Where, did you live there? Yeah, we we uh, ended up in Kansas City for several decades, and mm-hmm. that's that's where we lived. That's where I practiced um, bankruptcy law. Okay. Um, in a law firm uh, that resided in a building very similar to the building that um, 3J works in. Um, and, uh, I was on the floor that 3J happens to be on, uh, in the books and, um, had the view looking out my window that 3J happens to have out of her window. Um, you're right, you're right what you know, but we lived in Kansas city for, uh, quite a long time and, um, we really loved it. Um, it's a, it's a very historical place. Um, it's not a place that people think of to go <clears throat> visit like, like New Orleans or Chicago or New York, um, but it is very, very historical in, in, in so many different respects, one of which is its its place in the um, the underworld um, mob history, mm-hmm. um, that, going back to the 1890s and then you know bringing it all the way forward to the 1970s, actually. Um, but it was just a very prominent place for um, underworld activity. And you think of you know, the mob and you think of places like New York, um, and, and, and maybe Chicago, of course, but you, you don't think of Kansas City, and yet most of the big mob families had very active satellite uh, operations in, in the Kansas City area. Interesting. All right. And then some that were just sort of standalone, you know, mob, mob families. Mm-hmm. So each of your books do include some real history um, as a backdrop. They do. Um, Kansas City was very prominent in the the beginning of the end of the Civil War, mm-hmm. um, and very prominent you know during the the the, the inception of the, the Civil War. Missouri was a slave uh, state; mm-hmm. it was uh, below the Mason-Dixon line state, and its neighbor to the the west, Kansas, was um, a free state, and that's actually its nickname, the Free Staters. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole um, dispute between Missouri, who wanted uh, uh, Kansas to be part of Missouri, and therefore a slave state, and Kansas, which um, was the home of John Brown, uh, and its decision um, to vote to be a a free state, uh, really caused the Civil War to break out before the Civil War broke out on the border between Kansas uh, and Missouri. Mm -hmm. And so, all going all the way back to this, you know, Civil War, very, very historical, um, very big place in American jazz history. It yes. was one of the the, the in, you know places where jazz sort of uh, sprung up. Mm-hmm. Um, um, at the uh, again at the turn of the century, starting um, in, in probably in the, in the teens and the twenties. You know, its place in in Civil War history um, culminated in a in a battle called the Battle of Westport, which is a district near downtown in Kansas City, which the um, the southern, the, the southern uh, troops lost badly, and many historians believe that that was the beginning of the end 
itself. Mm-hmm. And I try to weave all that into the books without overwhelming anybody. I'm, I'm hearing myself babble away about American history, and, and uh, I apologize to everyone listening to this, but I try to weave that into the books. Um, so the historical things in the books are true, mm-hmm. um, even though the context of them being discussed is you know, a fictional story. Well, see, I find that fascinating when, when an author can do that well and weave some realness as the backdrop. And then also for folks who are familiar with that state or the city or the location that the writer is writing about, then you also feel a sense of familiarity. And you do that well where you combine the location and then your background in law and just put that all together to create a somewhat fictional book. Thank yep. you. Yep. It's fun to write. It, it, fun to research, fun to write. Are there going to be more? Is 3J going to hang around for a while? Um, there'll be another one, um, tentatively uh, called For Cause. Um, and um, I, uh, I have a lot of uh, notes and I've done some research, but in 2022, I actually wrote two books. And that, that was too much, one book too much. So I'm trying to slow myself down. Mm-hmm between cram down and the things that an independent author needs to do to try to market its, uh, his or her book, yeah. and when I start the next book. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that I would start the next book sometime between Christmas and New Year's 23, which means it would come out in 24, and kind of get back on the pace of a book a year rather than what ended up happening in 2022, which was two books a year. That is a lot, and you're right. There's no time for the marketing hat if you're writing yeah, they just compete with each other, and, and neither one of them gets the necessary attention. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, you're always thinking, oh, I should be doing that, I should be doing that, when uh, you probably want to have a free mind, or else if you could find somebody to help market, but that's always a challenge as well. So, I enjoy the marketing, so um, there are people that, that help me, um, but... Less and less, now that I have a little better handle on social media, I'm more from an expert, and have figured after five books what parts of social media I'm comfortable with and what parts are just not for me. Right. Um, so I don't, I, I've learned a lot um, and made a ton of mistakes as I've gone along and sort of have come down at least my formula for what I can do that I feel comfortable with um, to market the book. Well, let's just take a little sidestep because I know that's what author listeners are always hungry for, and that's some real tips or thoughts. Where have you landed that you feel comfortable, or or what's your secret sauce here for marketing? (laughs) Um, uh, So starting with social media, I have a very active Facebook account, but mostly just active uh, with respect to books. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's kind of a, um, a carryover from the practice of law. That would be the, the place where the firm wanted everyone to have a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept that and sort of shifted that again to being more book-oriented. Both have a lot of groups mm-hmm. that you could you could join. Uh, LinkedIn, people know that a little bit less than Facebook, but um, you can join groups. And so when you do a post, it gets posted off to the group. Um, so I do have a whole you know, sort of chart when a book comes out of what the posts are going to look like for a few weeks. Um, I have tried and probably won't do this with Cramdown. I've tried Amazon ads, and um, I could use some help on that. So I don't do that. Um, that's a little bit more complicated and difficult. But I have done Facebook ads, and um, I know that at times people hate to see an ad in their feed when they go onto Facebook, but they work. 
Um, and so I've really concentrated on Facebook on learning what type of ad for a book works, what type of ad doesn't work uh, for a book. And there's lots of metrics you can do, and it's not particularly expensive. So I, I do that. And in the first few weeks of a release, I try to have a new ad every few days. So I'm sitting around writing ad copy <laughs> um, and finding an image and trying to make the image look you know, professional. I don't do much on Twitter. In fact, that's an overstatement. I don't do anything on Twitter. Um, I, I've not figured out what the whole Twitter thing is. I guess I'm just old enough that I'm not sure what the point of Twitter is. But I can narrow that to say I don't. I haven't figured out how Twitter works for an author. Mm-hmm. I don't tweet. Um, those are the main social media things I do. I try to get on podcasts. Um, that's a thing that started after the first book, because the first book came out literally two weeks after Colorado went into lockdown because of the pandemic in 2020. And so my my ideas of what I was going to do on in-person um, things, like find find the independent bookstores and try to do a, a book signing event with them right. uh, locally, um, there were no bookstores open. And so I, I pivoted then to podcasts. And really enjoy it. So um, I've I've tried to focus on maybe doing five or ten podcast interviews for each book, mm-hmm. um, which is a process in itself. You know, for people that I've that know me, it's not so bad. For people that have never heard of me before that are um, have a podcast, you've got to do a, a podcast pitch, um, and then stay somewhat vigilant to, to see if you can get a response back. Yep. Well, thank you for touching on those because I think everyone's always looking for what might work best for them when it comes to social media. I think it's it's different for everyone. Alrighty, I want to get back to your book because you do something else interesting. Not only do you in each book include American history as your backdrop, but each of your books also has a tech element to it. And I think we talked about some of that in our first conversation, but let's Talk about your books and what you include in them as far as um, tech. Yeah, so the, the tech varies. It's, uh, hopefully it's something new and different each time. The tech is, um, is intended to be true. Mm-hmm. So I'm, not, I'm not interested in making something up that doesn't actually exist in the world. But the first one is, was something called a man-in-the-middle attack where um, somebody can actually get in between your computer and a router like in a coffee shop that has an unsecured network, and figure out where you're surfing. They can't really see what you're doing, and they're not really in your computer, so it's not technically a, quote, hack, mm-hmm. unquote, into your computer, but they can gather data that way. Um, that, that, and I had a lot of fun researching that and um, figuring out if it was uh, correct or not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in, the, in, in one of the books, there's, there's a direct hack in, into a computer, um, in order to gather information from the person's hard drive, which, which all of these are, are undoubtedly felonies, which is discussed at some um, uh, in some of the books, because each time that this happens, three um, J and her her colleague uh, William Pascal have to decide if they're stepping over quote the line unquote, and how far over the line are they going to step. And does the ends justify the means dilemma for them? In Cramdown, without giving away a, a significant part of the plot, that in order to try to find missing Amadi, they employ another type of um, um, thing that, that goes on, and it's called SMS spoofing. 
So you and your listeners have probably received a text that you have no idea what it is, but it looks like it came from the bank or it looks like it came from your insurance company, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't. And you don't know how they got your number. Uh, you don't know how they made the text look like it was from this um, legitimate third party. Um, and that, that that's called SMS spoofing. And you can you can actually set that up to SMS spoof almost anyone uh, through websites that are you know public available on the on the internet. So in cram down, all of that gets discussed and whether that that presents the ethical dilemma is that too far mm-hmm. over the line or is it over the line even at all? Wow. Yeah. And I have a lot of fun with that. So um, uh, finding something that's real that is going on or that's happened on my phone, and I wonder how did that happen? And then it's somehow incorporating that into the story, um, I enjoy. And some of the, there, there's a group of readers that seem to be really <laughs> into that, <laughs> and others that I'm sure just blow through it because it's, that's not the part of the book that they like. But I enjoy that part of, of the book. Well, you are a master at weaving this all together. You really are. And, you know, at the very least, if they're not interested in that per se, at least they've learned something. And you never know when they may recall it when it actually happens to them. They could be like, whoa, I read that in Mark Shakin's book, Cram Down. Well, and hopefully I don't start getting, you know, spoof texts <laughs> from lots of people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Put yourself out there. Oh, my gosh. Well, I just received an email from you today talking about the wonderful reviews that you've gotten. So let's share that because that's always positive news. This book just got um, posted to Amazon recently, and already it's receiving some really excellent reviews. Yeah. I mean, it's always – so this is the part of writing in the modern era that's always exciting and uh, scary. Because you know, not everyone's going to like the book. Not everyone is going to like um, the genre. Um, what's interesting is people are reading it, um, even if they're not into financial or legal thrillers, because those are the two main genres that I think I, I, I fit into the bucket mm-hmm. uh, for the for the 3J series. Um, and it, it it's so far, uh, thankfully, it's it's. It's gotten good reviews. People seem to like it. They seem to be reading it pretty quickly. So it's you know kind of in the can't put down category. And it's it, it hopefully all of the three J series are like that. You can get through it reasonably quickly. And hopefully, um, if I'm building the tension sufficiently, you know, you'll want to you know stay up late to finish it. <laughs> Well, you are doing an excellent job with this. I, I'm sure it's just so exciting for you to be able to spend your life doing something that you obviously enjoy so much and learning while you're doing it as well. Yeah, oh, it's a blast. Mm-hmm. I really am enjoying it. It'd be really hard to sit down and be a writer if, if you came to the point in your life where you hated writing. So. <laughs> well, yeah. It's not like anyone's forcing you to, so you're right. Yeah, exactly. You're right. All right. Anything we missed that you wanted to talk about or highlight today? No, that's it. I appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. My pleasure. If you would then, share all of your contact information so folks know where they can get copies of your books and find out more about Mark Shaken. Yeah, I think the best place is just to go to my website, which is markshakenauthor.com, and uh, everything there would be linked, um, the books, to the places you can get the books, um, <clears throat> the audio book links. Um, they're all out on audio except Cram Down. There's always a delay between publication and, and getting the audio book up, but it'll be up in, in six or eight weeks. Um, and then there's all kinds of stuff there uh, about me. And then you, if you're uh, so inclined, you can sign up for my newsletter, which 
hopefully is not spam. I don't I try not to do that and then just sort of keep track of everything that's going on in my life. Excellent. And yes, at markshakenauthor.com, that's where you list all of your podcasts that you've been on in the past. And um, I listened to a few of them. And, and that's just a great way to find out more about you in an enjoyable way. So head over to markshakenauthor.com. We talked about his book, Cram Down, and all the rest of his books today. Mark, such a pleasure to have this opportunity again in 2024. When the next one comes out, I hope we have another opportunity. Yeah, thanks so much, Pat, for having me on.